Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Nets world? We're back here on the Believe in Nets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Eric Slater, Brooklyn Nets beat reporter for ClutchPoints.com. Going to keep today's episode pretty short and sweet. Ben Simmons is back, and so are the Nets. The team is now a perennial playoff contender. Simmons may be an all-star next season and or win comeback player of the year. But of course, if you're on Nets Twitter, you already knew all of that to be true. Not quite. We're not quite there yet. But we are going to be recapping a 147-114 blowout of the Utah Jazz in Ben Simmons' return. And in all seriousness, Simmons looked great. He looked fantastic in this game. 10 points, 8 rebounds, 11 assists, 0 turnovers. He was a plus 27 in 18 minutes. I think it's not a stretch to say that he controlled the whole game in his minutes and was one of the most dominant players on the floor, if not the most dominant player on the floor. He came in midway through the first quarter, immediately sparked a 20-6 to run, posted six assists in his first four minutes, became the first net in the play-by-play era, that's since 1996-97, to record six times off the bench in an opening period. And this is a guy that has missed three months due to a nerve impingement in his surgically repaired back. So to come back and post this kind of performance was pretty incredible, honestly. It was, you know... We're going to need to see it for more extended period, but this was quite the showing after such an extended layoff. And, you know, as we all knew, Simmons's presence was going to bring back one of the offensive weapons that the Nets have been missing for the last two months, which has played a huge role in their struggles. And that is obviously the transition game, which is obviously the number one skill that Simmons brings to the, to the table. The Nets were 5-17 and 17 over their last 22 games entering last night. Their struggles, their deficiencies on both sides of the ball have been well chronicled by me and many others during that span. And primarily what I want to touch on is they ranked 25th in fast break points during that span. Last night, Simmons came back and they scored 28 fast break points. So, you know, that is the difference. That's what Simmons brings to the table in addition to defense and rebounding, obviously. But mainly, this is a Nets team that isn't good in the half court. Their offense stalls in the half court, and that's extremely glaring down the stretch of fourth quarters. Simmons being back, being healthy, allows them to have the transition game that they showed earlier this season. Earlier this season, the Nets were second in the NBA in fast break points over their first six games before Simmons got injured. So he comes back in this game, and you know that game, that transition ability to push the ball just makes everyone else better. And that's exactly what Jock Vaughn said after the game. This is a quote from Vaughn. He said, other people played so well tonight because of the impact of Ben Simmons. It's that simple. The looks that we got, the amount of threes, the fast break points, the pace we played with, he makes other dudes better, and he likes doing that. When you get a guy that wants to do that on a nightly basis, it's infectious. The ball movement tonight, he was the reason for that. You can't ask for anything more, especially with the time that he's missed, end quote. So, you know, the Nets had 41 assists in this game. Now, is that all a product of Simmons? No, no. But I think it's fair to say that the energy, the pace, the early shot making that he was able to spark had an infectious effect, as Vaughn said. And I said 41 assists, some numbers, the 12th time in franchise history and the third time since 2000 that the Nets have had 40 or more assists in the game. They made over 23s in this game for the third time this season. And, 
you know, what Vaughn was talking about, about making other dudes better, that was seen in the performances of the Nets' other top scorers. Mikhail Bridges drops 33 points on 12 of 24 shooting. Cam Thomas scores 25 points on 8 of 16 shooting. Lonnie Walker, 19 points off the bench, hits four threes. Cam Johnson, 17 points. Royce O'Neal hits three threes, gets into double figures. So Simmons just... He takes pressure off all those guys if he's going to play the way that he played last night. And, you know, it's funny to see, you know, Simmons play alongside a guy like Cam Thomas, who's obviously been one of the Nets top scorers this season alongside Mikhail Bridges and a frequent talking point over these struggles over the last month, him coming out of a starting lineup, questions about his role, little inconsistencies there. But it's just funny to see Simmons back playing alongside Simmons because, uh, playing alongside Thomas because Thomas doesn't want to pass unless he absolutely has to. And Simmons doesn't want to shoot unless he absolutely has to. So it's it's just funny seeing that juxtaposition on the floor. But it's also ironic because it's exactly what those two guys need alongside one another. I've said that Thomas needs a guy next to him who can do two things. That's handle the ball and defend at the point of attack. And that's obviously why we saw you know him be moved out of the starting lineup and go to the bench because he couldn't play alongside Spencer Dinwiddie because Spencer Dinwiddie can't defend and frankly you know while maybe he's improving somewhat Cam Thomas can't really defend either so you get a guy like Simmons who can defend at the point of attack who can handle the ball and facilitate get out and transition take some of the pressure off Thomas as a facilitator which obviously isn't the main strength of his game and it's going to look a lot better same for Mikhail Bridges in the sense that it lets him slide back to an off-ball role. It allows him to run the floor and pick his spots to create in the half court, not forcing him to do that at a rate that he really never has throughout his career. And not having to handle the ball all the time is going to allow himself to have more you know, energy to spend on the defensive end of the floor, which has clearly been on a downswing since he came to Brooklyn. So there's just a trickle-down effect from Simmons, and I think we saw all of that in this game last night from the jump. And, you know, this was the vision for Brooklyn. Simmons pushing the pace and creating transition looks to keep the Nets out of the half court where Jock Vaughn said earlier this season, point blank, they don't want to play. So that's three-point shooters getting looks all over the place in transition. Cam Thomas and Mikhail Bridges creating looks in the half court when needed. And then Nick Claxton anchoring the defense. So it's the vision that the Nets had entering the year. Now, the problem with that vision is among some other things, Simmons can never stay on the floor for an extended period. So this is where I have to pump the brakes a little bit. Obviously, I joked about the optimism and the excitement of Nets Twitter and you know the Nets community after this performance. I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, and I'm not trying to do that whatsoever. I'm just saying, if you've experienced the Ben Simmons experience over these last you know two seasons now with the Nets, You'd be wise to temper expectations after one performance because it's no secret that Ben Simmons can help the Nets or that the Nets need him. The question has always been, can he stay on the floor and be dependable? And to this point in his Nets career, he hasn't even come close to doing that. And that's just a fact. Now, this game is a good start and a positive sign, no doubt. But the question marks don't change after one game. They're not going to change unless we see this play at this level for you know over a month-long span. So it was a great night for Simmons and the Nets. He, Simmons was pretty cocky in his post-game press conference. He he said he told his teammates, you know, you know what time it is when he checked in the game. He said it's always a fast break when I have the ball and 
it was almost to the point where it was like pump the brakes a little bit here. I get it. Like he had a great game and that's awesome. And he can be happy about it, but it's about to be February and you're playing your seventh game of the season. So maybe like, let's do this for a little bit of a month and let's play in more than 20% of the team's games before we start getting cocky to that level. And some of those quotes got some attention. Uh, Chandler Parsons actually took a couple of the ones that I put out and was clowning Simmons on FanDuel TV. After the game, Simmons had this quote. As soon as I checked in, I told them, you know what time it is. He also said, it's always a fast break when I have the ball. I, I honestly thought these were not real quotes, guys. Um, <laughs> which one's your favorite? <laughs> I'm, I'm just confused, because here. I love it. Here we go. Here we go. Let's go, Joel. Close up of Chandler, thank you. Everything he's been through, and by the way, he played very good last night, right? There you go. He looked solid. This is why I think everyone was so confused, because it's he's physical, he's talented. He can't shoot, but who cares, because he can do this other thing where he involves himself in the game in so many other aspects. So when you come and then you say things like this, it's just like, what are, what are we doing, man? You have one game back, your team won. Like, let's not give us anything bad to talk about. You look good. You almost had a triple-double, but... The quotes are ridiculous. Like they're, not they're, real. they're 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 arrogant. They're, like, they are real. No, they're real, but they shouldn't be real. Yeah, it's just it's it's crazy. And I get where Parsons is coming from, but it's it's funny to hear him be the one to say those things because Simmons obviously has his dependability issues, his availability issues, which is what he's talking about there. We're talking about a guy in Parsons who, you know, got a hundred million dollar contract from the Grizzlies despite knowing that he was hurt before he signed it, most likely wouldn't be able to play. And he's gone as far as bragging about the fact that he was able to secure that contract. So got that money and then didn't play, which he knew was probably going to be the case and pretty much stole a hundred million dollars from the Grizzlies. And then has, you know, gone on to make jokes about that and brag about that. So it's like, all right, like Chandler Parsons, I don't know why he has such a platform like that, but maybe like your right message, wrong messenger to be talking about Simmons and his dependability issues. But you know, like I said, great night for Simmons, great night for the Nets. The question, the attention now shifts to, can we see Simmons do this for an extended period? And if we don't, it seems like there's going to be a lot of people within the Nets Twitterverse and Nets community that are, you know, getting a little overexcited right now and might be propping up their expectations and be crushed if that happens. You know, do I want it to happen? Obviously, nobody wants to see a guy be injured. Jock Vaughn said that last night. Like, Ben doesn't want to be injured. Nobody wants to see him injured. But he's been injured a lot. I mean, and until he's not for an extended period, it's gonna, those questions are going to continue to follow him. And I've always had two questions about Simmons and two criticisms of Simmons with the Nets. Obviously, the first was his dependability. And the second was the team not being able to practically play him down the stretch of close games in the fourth quarter. And while this was a great performance by Simmons, we still obviously didn't get to see that aspect of it because it was such a blowout and the game was so handily a 20-point distance you know, down the stretch of this one. So those questions will remain because Simmons, frankly, he still doesn't want to look at the basket. And now did he have to in this game? No, still a great performance. He shot the ball, you know, he got tippins and he got – layups off of uncontested layups off of some passes and that was the extent of his scoring but if we get down the stretch of a close game is Simmons going to be able to look at the basket is he going to be able to be any one of a threat is he going to be scared to go to the free throw line because in those six performances 
before he got hurt at the beginning of the season, he was attempting one less shot per 36 minutes than he did last season. And a lot of Nets fans might have thought that was impossible for Simmons to attempt less shots than he did last season when he was practically a non-factor in the half-court offense whatsoever. And you still saw, you know, some of the concerns of the spacing and like that in brief moments throughout this game, but he was awesome for the most part. The question obviously will continue to be down the stretch of these close games in the fourth quarter. Do you need to have him off the floor? Because that transition game is the number one asset that he brings to the table. But when things tighten up in the final three, four, five minutes of a game, that transition game becomes less and less of a factor and the half court becomes more and more of a factor, which is obviously where Simmons's deficiencies are. So good night for Simmons, but we'll see moving forward. Last thing I wanted to touch on quickly before I close out this brief solo pod is the Nets are obviously welcoming the Phoenix Suns on Wednesday, which means that Kevin Durant will make his return to Barclays Center. And that has sparked a conversation about whether KD should get a tribute video from the Nets. Well, Durant made it known how he stands on that conversation. He responded to a poll on Twitter saying he didn't want a video and that the night would be better without it. He also was quoted in a really good article by Dwayne Rankin of the Arizona Republic. And this is what he had to say. What did I do to deserve a video? Seriously, or is it because of my name? I'm just another player, man. I don't deserve none of this extra attention. Everybody looking at me when the game starts. The game is about all the players on the court. It ain't about me. I was there for three years, four years, and we didn't accomplish anything worth being celebrated for. I don't feel like I deserve one. I didn't feel like I stayed there long enough. I didn't put in enough work. I didn't leave a lasting impact. Me and the fans didn't connect enough for me to feel like a part of them. That's just my thoughts. And I completely agree with Durant. And frankly, it's refreshing to hear him, a player of his caliber, say something like this. Because the tribute video participation medal culture in the NBA has just frankly gotten out of control. I mean, there were people last season saying that the Nets should give James Harden a tribute video when he returned to Brooklyn and that his return should be celebrated. And we're talking about a guy in Harden who played one season here and actively sabotaged the team and quit on the floor in order to force his way to another Eastern Conference contender, leading to the complete implosion of the 7-Eleven era and the contending era of the team. It's completely ridiculous that it would even be in the conversation to give a guy like that a tribute video. And thankfully he came and, you know, as I expected, he got booed nearly every time he touched the ball and has and the other time that he came back to Barclays Center since then. But the fact that this is a conversation and like, I get it. The Nets aren't a team that has had superstars. So, you know, does it hurt to hear a, a guy like Durant say this? The best player to ever wear a Nets uniform? Does it hurt to hear him say that he didn't accomplish anything and that he didn't connect with the fans and that he doesn't want a tribute video? Yeah, it does if you're the Nets. And it stinks for the organization. But it's also the truth. It's also what happened. And trying to create this charade that it isn't is only going to make the team look dumber, more of a joke than they did during all the fiascos that went down when Kevin Durant was here with the team alongside Kyrie Irving and Harden. So refreshing to hear Durant say that. We'll see how the team handles it. I expect them to do something, whether it's a graphic on the screen, whether it is a short video, whether it is whatever. I expect them to do something. Durant's exit, obviously a complicated thing to break down with the Nets. Came here, had his, you know, hitched his wagon to Kyrie Irving. He implored the team to trade for... James Harden, it all blew up in his face. He didn't show much leadership quality whatsoever. 
And then when it all, you know, was flaming, he asked out and he asked for a trade. So it's not great from that perspective, but unlike Irving, unlike Harden, he was dependable for everything except injuries. And when he, when he was on the floor, he played his heart out. He did give everything he had on the court. He gave some incredible playoff performances in that 2021 playoffs. And then it just got hit with some bad injury luck and they got hit with Durant's shoe size being one size too big. So you know, if you're talking about Durant and relitigating his tenure in Brooklyn, poor leadership skills, asked out, you know, when it all came crashing down on his watch, but played hard on the court. So however you want to weigh those two things is up to you. I'm never going to tell anybody how to view things as a fan, you know, of an organization, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with Durant, with the Nets, Simmons back on the court playing against him, another storyline there. When the Phoenix Suns come to town on Wednesday, that about does it for this episode of Believe in Nets on the Believe Podcast Network, your one-stop shop for everything happening across the sports and entertainment world. I'm your host, Eric Slater, Brooklyn has Beat Reporter for ClutchPoints.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Smash the like button. Please leave a five-star review if you enjoyed the content. That really goes a long way. Have more coverage for you guys in the coming weeks. Nets finishing up a homestand, then going to Philly. So right down I-95, then coming back to finish another homestand before the All-Star break. Hopefully, Simmons can stay on the floor. Hopefully, they can build some momentum and have something good going coming into the second half of the season. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.